Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Worship at Embrace. So grateful to have you here to worship the Lord with us together today. Had a great time downstairs this morning for curated conversations with those of you who were able to come out. If you didn't know about that, or if you're new around here and you want to continue to get to know some people or find out more about the church, we have these lovely Blue Connect cards that are in your pew or at the welcome tables um, as you head out today. And this is just a way for you to share your information with us if you're willing to do that. I will be the person who emails you um, and would love to connect and get to know you better um, and can answer questions. So you can share information with us. You can also share prayer requests with us on these cards. We have a prayer team who keeps these requests confidential but takes them very seriously and partners with you and lifts these up every week. So if there is something that you have come here carrying this morning, we want you to know you don't have to carry it alone. So you can share that on a prayer request, and you can stick these Connect cards in the boxes that are at the back and side door over here. That's also a place where you can put a financial contribution if you would like to give in person this morning. You can also always give online at embraceyourcity.com give, just like you can always email prayer requests to prayer at embraceyourcity.com. So that is the Connect cards. I also want to remind you that we have announcement handouts that are on the welcome tables so that you can know what's going on around here, the exciting things that are coming up, like our Embrace Orientation Lunch on February 18th. If you don't know about that and want to, come see me or read the announcement handout or both. We could do it both ways. Um, so you can find out what's going on around here that way. Um, you also um, can get on our email list, and that is an option on the Connect card. I lastly want to let you know that there is a stream of the service that is going on in the cafe. So that's the room directly across the hall if you walk out this door over here. Um, and you can go to the cafe at any point during the service this morning. If you need a sensory break or if it's just helpful to take a step out and breathe or if you want to take a, a kid in there and, and run around for a little bit, feel free. You can still participate and be part of the service that way. Um, and so that is available to anyone who needs it this morning. And now I will turn it over to Laban and our worship team. Christina, thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Laban, the worship leader here at the church. Let's stand up together if you'd like. Let's join in this call to worship. Let's see what the Lord has for us today. It's great to be with you all. Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and Those who trust in the 
together in confession. We know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrongs we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Stronger 
Christian. y'all would bow your heads and pray with me. God, we thank you so much for this time we get to spend together, Lord. We thank you for the, the way that music and, and hearing one another sing and our voices in this room can lift our spirits. And, and even as our praises rise up to you, God, our spirits and our, and our minds and, and everything is rising up with them this morning. And God, I just thank you for the way that we come 
and gather together at church and we leave feeling encouraged and different and more whole and, and more like ourselves and more like the people you've made us to be. God, I'm just praying over the rest of our time together that your, your hand would guide us, that you would be a part of, of this experience, God, that you would help us, Lord, to open our minds and our hearts and our spirits and our bodies to, to receive uh, something from you today. God, I thank you for each person here in this room, and I pray, Lord, that you would be with them and help them to feel right at home and feel your love and your embrace today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said together, amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. Well, good morning. My name is John, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I just want to welcome all of you here today. If you're visiting with us, definitely want to say welcome to you today. I'm glad that you're here. If you need anything or want to know more about our church, just please reach out to one of us, and we'd love to talk with you. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and dismiss our children for their time of learning in the Wonder Room. So if you're four years old all the way through fifth grade in elementary school, then you're invited to go to the Wonder Room this morning. We have three different classes. If you're a parent of a child in that age range and you've never sent your kid there before, then please go with them. Make sure that you introduce yourself to the teachers and um, get the right paperwork and all that filled out. But let's give our kids and our volunteers a hand as they come up this morning. So we're going to do something uh, slightly different today, which I'm really excited about, and I hope it's a gift to you all. Um, but I don't know, I'll give you the backstory. Um, I don't know if any of you all have noticed, uh, but those of you who are into liturgical colors and whatnot, uh, we don't have the right colors up right now. Um, the, the white is actually supposed to be green, and uh, because Christmas has ended, the Christmas season is over, and you've typically moved to green uh, during that time. And so technically, we should have green, but not white. But if you've been embraced for a little while, you know that, you know, things just aren't quite right here sometimes. And so that's okay. Uh, this is kind of how we like to roll. Um, however, uh, our good friend Felice was noticing this because she notices these things. And uh, she texts me and Christina this week. And she's like, hey, you know, I've been thinking about the colors and, you know, wondering if we need to get together to talk about how we can change those out. Um, and she noticed that they had not been changed. And she actually started doing some research and came across this old tradition where you actually leave the white colors up all the way up until uh, February 2nd, which is a day uh, that has traditionally been called Candlemas. Um, I'd never heard of this until uh, Felice told me about it. But it's basically a, Chris, uh, a holiday uh, in the Christian calendar that marks 40 days after Christmas. And typically what you do on that day is they have this thing called a blessing of the candles, and you light the Christ candle, which we have brought back up and we've lit back here. And then you end up kind of reflecting on this light of Christ that, that can be with us and enter into our darkness. And that's what all our whole Christmas and Advent season was about, about the light of Christ entering into the darkness of our lives. And so um, often what happens is people uh, will, will bring candles with them or they'll take candles home, light them throughout this week as a reminder of the light of Jesus uh, that is with us. And so... Um, I feel like it was one of those, like, holy coincidences, you know, that uh, maybe it was the spirit, maybe it just worked out that way. I don't know, but it was beautiful. And so I'm glad that, that we stumbled across this tradition because um, I, I think that we need it. 
I know, I don't know about you all, but I, I need, right now, I need a constant reminder that the light of Jesus can enter into the darkness of our world and into my life, because I personally am facing a lot of dark situations, a lot of challenges in my life, um, and I know that, that many of you all are as well. You know, one thing that the staff and pastors here at the church, what, something we've been noticing lately is that a lot of you all are really struggling right now. There are folks in our community that I know, and, and I'm sure people that I don't know, who are walking through some really, really tough stuff right now and dealing with a lot of crisis, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of grief and loss. Um, some of you all are going through situations right now that seem very overwhelming and lonely and very painful. And some of us, uh, I can say myself as one of those people, have been living in seasons of like uncertainty and stress, some of us for multiple years now and been holding this in our bodies and in our minds and in our spirits. And, and it can feel very heavy and overwhelming and difficult to continue walking in those seasons of stress for such a prolonged season of time. And I know that many of you all are carrying heavy, lo heavy loads and I don't even know about it. And, and I know that that's the case. And so I don't know about you all, but my heart is feeling kind of heavy this morning. Um, I've been fairly sad uh, lately um, because like, I just am caring a lot, you know, and I care about you all, and I hold you all in my heart and in my prayers. And so we were talking this week at our staff meeting um, just about how we really feel like we need to create a little time today and also throughout our week uh, to lift one another up in prayer and to just, like, hold one another, you know, because um, not necessarily physically. If you need to be physically held, then I'm sure there are people here that would love to do that and to give you a hug and to be there for you in that way. Um, and we can also hold each other in our prayers. We can hold one another through encouragement and really try to help one another experience this light of Jesus as we walk through um, dark times. Our scriptures teach us to bear each other's burdens, and, and we can do that. Um, we can do that together in community. That's what church is for, right? That's what church is for. And so I know for me, I've, I've gotten some texts lately just of people who maybe I don't even see. There, there's one person in our church, I don't get to see her very much at all, uh, because she's often not able to come, but she'll text me and Laura on a regular basis and just say, hey, I'm praying for you all, and I'm holding you on the light. No need to respond, but just know that, and know that if you need anything, I'm here. And, and you don't know how much uh, that means to us, to know that there are people just thinking of us <laughs> and lifting us up in prayer. It helps me to feel less alone. So this week, I'm going to ask uh, you all to do something. I want you all to take some extra time this week to really pray for your church family. Um, you know, ideas of like spiritual warfare and all this is kind of mysterious to me. I don't understand it. And I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to claim to explain why we're experiencing a lot of hardship here because hard stuff just happens in our world. <laughs> um, but I do believe that we need to be fortified. We need to be grounded in prayer. Um, as, and we need our church to be tight with one another so we can help each other through the hard times that we're facing. And so as you go throughout your day this week, um, the different days you face, as people come to your mind, just offer up a simple prayer for them. That's one way you can do it this week. Um, this doesn't even involve sitting down and, and, and closing your eyes. You can just do it throughout your day as people pop into your head that you know here, faces pop into your mind. Just offer up. Stop and say a, a brief prayer for them. Ask that God would bring light into their challenges that they're facing. I also encourage you all to set aside, um, if you can, another way you could do this is set aside a few minutes every single day just to pray for our church. I'm not saying pray for the building or the institution. Pray for the people in it, you know, and pray that we 
could be fortified, that we could be uh, encouraged in, in the things that we're facing. Write down names of people that you know here. And if you know people going through hard times, make sure their name's on that list and go through that list every single day and just mention their names and pray a prayer of blessing over them. Pray for those you may not know, but maybe you know their faces. Maybe God put somebody on your heart. Another option for you all is to practice fasting this week. Um, fasting is not something we do a lot in our culture now. And it's a hard discipline. It's hard for me to consistently practice. Um, but maybe you could skip a meal one day this week um, to start with. Skip breakfast or lunch one day. And that time you would take to eat lunch on your lunch break, instead of eating lunch, spend that time praying uh, for your church family. I think that could be a really beautiful thing to do. Um, we're going to give you all cards at the end of the service, actually, with these suggestions on them. And also, we're going to give you all a breath prayer uh, that you can pray. If you don't know what a breath prayer is, it's pretty simple. When you breathe in, you say words, and when you breathe out, you say the other words. And so they'll be on the card, and that can help you as you go throughout your day. And then on Wednesday, we're actually going to offer a, a Zoom a prayer time. If anybody wants to take that time, you could fast from lunch that day if you want. You don't have to, but you could join us on Zoom just for a few minutes, and we can break up into breakout rooms and pray for one another on Zoom if, if you need that, if you want that kind of prayer. And then finally, the thing we're going to do different this morning is we're going to just take some space uh, to, to, for you all to pray and to seek God on your own, but also we want to offer um, the option, if you all would like somebody to pray for you, then we're going to have folks who will be available to do that. We'll have a couple of people on each side over here, and then we'll have some folks in the back, um, and so you all can go and ask them uh, to pray for you. Um, you can tell them what you need prayer for if you want to. If you don't know what to say or you don't even know what you need prayer for, you just feel like, I want somebody to pray for me, just say, hey, I'm here, and I just want you to pray for me. And, and the folks who are here, they, they will know how to pray for you, even if they don't know the specifics. Um, if somebody's already busy, you know, I don't know. Some of y'all, we may not have no one that wants to do this. Uh, I hope that some do. Uh, but if we have a lot and it takes a long time, we'll just keep it going, all right? Um, and if there's a line, then just wait your turn, and, and then you can go back to your seat. Another option for you to do, too, is we have this artwork all around our sanctuary, and this was from our Advent art installation we did called um, Illuminating the Darkness, and these images are beautifully, beautiful representations of the light of Christ entering into darkness, and so if you're walking through a dark time, just going and looking at these images could help uh, to encourage you and lift you up. So this is going to be very free and relaxed. Uh, if you want prayer and you're nervous to stand up in a room, just, I encourage you to fight through it because we're all broken in here. Uh, every single one of us needs prayer, whether we like to admit it or not. And, uh, and so don't worry about that. Just uh, get up and go to the back if you'd like to be back there. If you'd like to kneel at the altar and want to come to the front, that's an option too. But Laban's going to lead us in some music. We're just going to take some space uh, to seek God in this way. And so I'll invite those who are going to help me pray this morning. I know some people responded. I think I'm going to have Megan and Leandra, I think, in the back of the room. And then Rick Bard and, and John Epley will come up here to the front. And Lisa, you can go to the back as well and be available back there as well. Um, Christina and I are around too if, you, if you'd like to pray with us. So um, This is so uh, no pressure here, no judgment. If you want... Just whatever you want to do during this time, let's just take some space uh, to seek after God.
God, thank you so much for uh, your presence here among us. I thank you for the way that, that God, you, you speak to us when we, you often speak to us in subtle ways, Lord, when we create space to hear your voice. And God, I thank you for just the way that many of us are able to experience emotion and, and have the courage and trust here in this community to to share our struggles and our pain and our, our sorrow. And God, I just do pray a prayer over every single person here. Lord, I know behind every, every smile, uh, there, there's often struggle. Um, that, that every single person here is carrying something difficult. Every one of us has some kind of pain in our life that, that maybe nobody even knows about. And God, I just pray that you would meet uh, these folks where they're at. And that, God, you would help to, to lift us up a little bit this morning. That we could feel a little more encouraged. That, God, in the, the great mystery of, of suffering and pain and, and kind of where you're at in the midst of it, God, that somehow in some mysterious way we could just know that you're there. And we could be reminded that maybe we, we can't explain why we're going through what we're going through, or even we don't know how to get out of it. But I pray that in some beautiful, mysterious way, we could be reminded and just feel that we are not alone, and that somebody's there with us, and that we can be okay, and that we can get through this. Lord, we need you. And God, we just pray that you would meet us here. Some of us, God, are just confused about where you're at right now. Some of us feel that you are absent. We don't feel like you're here. We don't feel like you care. And God, I just pray that you would help, help us to, to feel and to know that you do care. Help us to see your face and to leave here, God, feeling more fortified and more ready to continue walking down the, the dark paths that we're on. Walk with us, God. Walk with us. We are tired, and we're struggling, and we need you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Amen. Well, thank you all for, for taking some time just to pray together. And my guess is that the, the loud sound we heard was just God, you know, trying to wake us up or something, you know. I will say when we have lots of hand drums, it's the hardest Sunday to mix on sound. So show us grace. <laughs> um, this morning, I do have uh, a word from Scripture I want to share with you. I'm going to go ahead and read our text for this morning, and then I'm going to kind of break this down a little bit later. So we're going to open up to the book of Mark. If you want to open in a Bible, you're welcome to. The, the, it'll also be behind me on the screen. Mark is in the New Testament, which is kind of in the back part of the Bible. Uh, it's after Matthew, and it's before Luke. It's one of the four Gospels that talks about Jesus' life. And so we're going to be in this series on Mark for a while now, uh, for the next few weeks. So I'm going to be reading from Mark uh, chapter 1. And I'm starting at verse 21. And, and keep in mind, this is like uh, what you could call a day in the life of Jesus. Mark structures this uh, by uh, kind of doing a sunrise to sunrise the next day. And so it's 24 hours in day of life of Jesus. And his really first full day of ministry is the way Mark tells this story. So they went to Capernaum. And this is Jesus and his first apostles he had called. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them not as one, or he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want from us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives order to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons because he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And so they traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So this morning, I want to talk to you about what I call engagement and withdrawal. So engagement, being engaged, and then pulling back and withdrawing. This is a pattern in the life of Jesus that we see repeat itself over and over and over again in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is engaged, and then he withdraws. You know, you think about Jesus. He was someone who was highly engaged with the world around him. He was highly engaged. He was not like hiding out in some, uh, you know, 
spiritual place praying all the time. Jesus was like in the world, engaging with real people and real problems. He was active. He was doing so much. Two weeks ago, we talked about how three things that Jesus really does over and over in Mark is that he formed community through calling these men and women to be his disciples and followers. We talked about how Jesus spent time among the crowds, and and the crowds were full of just poor, suffering people who were going through so much, who needed so much from Jesus, and Jesus didn't avoid the crowds. He went out and spent time with them and was among the people, which I'm sure was overwhelming for him at times. And not only that, Jesus also spent time like going in many ways to battle with the authorities. He didn't use the weapons like we do, but Jesus had battles with the authorities. He had a lot of conflict with them because of the way that they were treating people who he loved and cared about. Jesus was highly engaged with his community, with the people around him, with the world around him. He wasn't hiding out in kind of safe spaces all the time. He was out in the world doing his thing. He was deeply and highly engaged. Yet, Jesus also went to great lengths to withdraw, to pull away, to get away from everything, to withdraw to maybe safer spaces where he could unwind, he could have fun, he could relax, and he could be refreshed. He didn't, somehow Jesus didn't allow the world around him to crush him and to consume him. And I think it's this pattern that helped him to sustain him in his important work. He engaged, but he also withdrew. He was so intentional about getting away and withdrawing to these safer spaces for restoration and renewal. We see this life, rhythm in his life, engagement and withdrawal. For me, like, as a pastor, like, part of my job is to be, like, engaged, you know? Like, I'm with people a lot. I'm talking to people. I was sharing that a lot of folks here have shared a lot of it's an honor when people invite me into things they're going through, and, and, and it, but it's hard because I care so much, you know, and I care about people, and we're all suffering, and, and so much is happening in our community. This year, just this month, there's so much that I've been dealing with as a pastor and as a person in my own life. Um, I've had a lot of challenging conversations with people. Um, our son turned two. Uh, and he is just so much energy. He demands engagement. You know, if I don't pay attention to him, he will make sure I pay attention to him one way or another. Uh, there are so many people dealing with things. I've been walking with people in their journeys, and, and it's beautiful, and it's good, and I love it. But I felt at times, like, particularly as I've ga- engaged with things going on in parts of the world, like, Um, I know people who are from Palestine, and I care so deeply about their struggle. I know uh, folks who are are Jewish and the fears that they have. I I know people who are impacted by police violence and all these things, and so it, it, it hits me hard, you know? It hits me hard what they're doing in Texas and vilifying and demonizing immigrants who are seeking a better life because I know and love so many immigrants, and, and being engaged with the world can be overwhelming at times, and sometimes it feels like the world is pressing in on me with like great force, and it can feel very overwhelming. And so like last weekend, I kind of love big snows because it forces us all to slow down. Laura was out of town for a few days, and it was just me and Kai at the house, and, and we were trapped inside most of the time, and it forced me to slow down and just to step back, and I wasn't on email or things. I was just having to be there with him, and, and I had a lot of time after he we went to bed and during naps where I could just be by myself. One first night, I felt very lonely and just... The the quiet of it all felt overwhelming to me. But then after a while, I just started to feel more peace in God's presence. This weekend, I got away to the gorge for a night with some men, and we we talked about just like 
our feelings and different things and our past traumas. And it was a beautiful experience of, of restoration and renewal for me. I needed to withdraw. I need this rhythm of engagement and withdrawal in my own life. And I'm sure many of you all need it also. That text that I read for us this morning, you could call it a day in the life of Jesus. What Mark does here is he describes 24 hours in Jesus' life. And, and Mark portrays this as like the first thing he really does in his public ministry. And if you were following with what I was reading, like, he experienced a lot just in that first day. He, it, there was a lot going on. It was a very intense first day of his ministry. The day began on the morning of the Sabbath. And it ended the morning of the following day. So keep in mind this engagement and withdrawal as I talk about this. So Jesus and his disciples, they uh, often would hang out in kind of the more rural countryside areas. And Mark, the, the rural countryside areas are often portrayed more in a positive light. The people out kind of in the country were more receptive to Jesus. But when he went into the cities where they had more power and there were more people there who had more wealth and stuff, they often didn't like what Jesus had to say. And you see this tension in Mark where when he retreats out into the countryside, he's often more well-received. He's with his friends. He's resting. But when he goes into the towns and cities, he often faces conflict. When you read Mark, I want you all to pay attention to the location. Not just what happens, but where things happen in the gospel of Mark. The location is very, very important. And so remember, in Mark, these rural, wilderness, countryside areas are portrayed in a more positive light, the cities in a more negative light. And really, this is kind of an upside-down way of viewing our world, right? In our world today, it's like the cities are where the money and wealth and power, those are the important people are, and often these other parts of our world uh, are often forgotten and people look down upon them, but Mark kind of throws that on its head. So I want you to remember, when he goes into the cities, he often faces conflict, with the religious and political leaders. He's not like, not every single religious leader hated Jesus, but a lot of them did not like what he was offering. He was not well received. And so right off the bat, on the Sabbath, Jesus goes into Capernaum and he goes into the synagogue. So Mark starts out in a religious space, all right? And in this religious space, the first thing that happens is he faces conflict. This like impure demonic spirit is like talking through this man and like comes at Jesus, basically, and it's immediate conflict right off the bat. It's interesting in this sacred space, at the sacred time of Sabbath, is when Jesus faces conflict. On his first day of ministry, it's in the religious space where he faces this conflict. I wonder how Jesus would be received in our religious spaces today if he came in. We might say to him, what do you want with us? Get out of here, Jesus. We know who you are, and we don't want what you're offering, you know? Because Jesus comes in with, with a challenge. And so he went into the synagogue. And this demonic spirit, it's a little confusing, but the, the spirit is communicating in a plural form. He's talking about us, not just him. And he's saying basically like, what do you want from us, Jesus? What do you want with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? And it seems what he's doing here is he's communicating kind of on behalf of these religious authorities who were overseeing this temple who were not treating people very well and had kind of let power go to their head. He's talking on behalf of these scribes that Jesus had so much conflict with throughout his ministry. Something about Jesus' teaching and his presence in that religious space was threatening to them. Was threatening to them. And I have a, I have a feeling today if Jesus entered a lot of our religious spaces, we would feel threatened by Jesus' presence. And be like, I don't think I want that guy here. <laughs> 
because he's going to challenge me and he's going to tell us the things that we probably aren't doing that, that are hurting people and not going in the right direction. And so it's interesting to me that the religious spaces are not welcoming of Jesus and his gospel message. The gospel, we've talked about this, is good news to some, but it's terrifying to other people. Jesus then exercised the demon. He cast out this demon from this man. And after this, the popularity of Jesus just grew immediately. Because people were there on the Sabbath. The synagogue was full of folks, and they're like, who is this guy? Like, he just spoke to this man who was possessed, and he had authority. He wasn't even scared, and he cast out this demon. And so his popularity started to rise. They were amazed at what they saw. And as soon as his popularity rises, it's interesting what Jesus does. He leaves the synagogue immediately and just gets out of there. You know, like you'd think if my popularity starts to rise, it's like I kind of want to sit with this for a bit. Let's see what we can do here, you know. Like people are liking what I'm bringing here. But Jesus runs away from the popularity. And he withdrew to the home of Simon and Andrew. He was likely hoping, I imagine, going into their house to say, let's get away from this chaos and let's rest a little bit. Let's hang out because that's a lot going on out there at the synagogue. He had engaged in this conflict with these powerful people and maybe he needed a breather. But when he got to the home of Simon and Andrew, immediately more demands are being placed on him. It's like he shows up and they're like, hey, uh, my mother-in-law's sick, and she needs your help. Can you help her? And if that was me, I'd be like, really? I just did a lot. Can I just rest for a little bit? But Jesus is like, okay, let me see her. And he goes up, and he stays engaged, and he did something quite radical in the home. He healed this woman, which was really a radical move. I want to just tell you why this was kind of radical, what he did with Simon's mother-in-law. First off, he touched Simon's mother-in-law, um, who a woman he was not related to. Now, some would not have approved of a Jewish teacher uh, doing that during that time and place. But, but he, he saw her and he wanted to cast up this compassion and love to her. And so he touched her. And then the second thing he did is he healed her. Now, two things about this healing. First, this was a woman. Mark's first healing in, in this book is a woman that was healed. In this highly patriarchal world where men had most, if not all, of the power, women were not highly valued, this would have been a radical act for Jesus' first healing to be healing this woman. It would have been a boundary-breaking and shocking kind of thing for him to do. The second thing is that he healed her on the Sabbath, uh, which was against the law. Um, it was in a private home, so maybe nobody knew about it. But Jesus broke the law on the very first day of ministry, so everybody who thinks like Jesus was just like, oh, I'm a good citizen, I do everything I'm told. No, Jesus was willing to push back on things that were unjust and not right. So his first healing was on the Sabbath, which shouldn't have been. And so Mark is alerting the reader right off the bat that Jesus is not going to play by the same rules as everybody else. We'll talk more about this later on in our series, but healings are not so much about like this display of supernatural power. I don't think it's like just showing that Jesus was this really powerful man. I think the healings were something else going on there. There were magicians and healers all throughout the ancient Near East, and, and authorities probably wouldn't have been very angry that Jesus claimed to have healing power. I imagine that they maybe were angry at Jesus because his healings always broke boundaries. He was always reaching out to people that were pushed to the outside. And, and really, it upset the social uh, kind of hierarchy that had been developed during that time. And often, the healings meant that these people who were ostracized could now enter fully back in to the community and have access to the things that lead to flourishing. And so, the, these religious folks 
Some of them had set up these hierarchies that, that were enforced through these purity laws, and often the healings broke those laws and pushed against those boundaries that our world had set up. So back to the story, Jesus healed the mother-in-law, and after the healing took place, then things, maybe I would hope things would settle down a little bit, you could rest, but then it says that the entire town somehow found out he was in this house and had some kind of power to heal, and so they all started showing up to Simon's and Andrew's house, and they're probably like, what's going on? All these people are coming here, and they're coming to the door wanting Jesus to have this healing experience with him. And so these people faced all sorts of illnesses and ailments that kept them separated from others. And Jesus took the time to heal them, and he made them whole. He treated them not as social outcasts, but as people who had dignity and value and worth. The ill, uh, the sick were often poor. And, and, you know, they were not permitted to have access to the things that led to flourishing for everybody else. And, and as we know, even today, uh, the poor often face illness, and illness often makes people poor. And so when Jesus healed them of illness, it often meant that they could enter back fully into society and, and be able to have more flourishing and wholeness in their life. Jesus was tearing down these walls and hierarchies that upset the religious leaders and the political leaders. You know, it's interesting that these particular religious authorities were always so concerned about being contaminated by the poor and sick, when the reality that I see is they were the ones doing the contaminating. They were enforcing a way of life that led to suffering of so many people. It led to more sickness. It led to more pain. And Jesus came and witnessed to those and reached out to those in the margins. And through doing that, that kind of exposed those in power because they would prefer everybody just go along with their, their plan and their agenda, but Jesus broke rank, and he was willing to go outside of that and reach out to these that others said, no, you just need to leave them alone. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that. And for that reason, Jesus was seen as a threat, the people he was willing to love. So after a full day of dealing with all this stuff, engaging so deeply with the world around him, Full day, breaking boundaries, loving the sick, reaching out to the outcasts, teaching about this upside-down kingdom. I imagine Jesus went to sleep that night exhausted. Do you all ever go to sleep exhausted? And it's like you lay your head down and you're done. <laughs> you're out. Um, and and that, that happens to me. Last night I was pretty exhausted. Um, and, and Jesus was exhausted after a full day of engaging with the world. But then the next morning, he didn't sleep in. He said, I'm going to get up before dark. Before light, he got up, it was still dark outside, it says, and, and before everybody else, and he withdrew. He pulled away. He left the house. He retreated even further away to a solitary place to regain perspective, to refocus, to reconnect with his inner self and, and God um, in heaven, the Father in heaven. You know, when Jesus withdrew, he wasn't like turning on Netflix and numbing out with podcasts or indulging in overeating or drinking he wasn't running away from his obligations, or he wasn't running, abandoning his mission. He was being very intentional to take this deep spiritual time with himself and with God. So much that like he hiked a mountain, he had to get away from everybody because he needed that time so he could stay true to the calling that God had on his life. It was engagement and then the withdrawal. His disciples woke up and immediately started looking for Jesus. They woke up and they probably went to where he was sleeping. Like, where's he at? we got to find this guy. Like, you know, the popularity's gone. we got to keep this going. And so they go searching for Jesus. They went out to find him. Do you see how he, why he had to get up before they did? 
He's like, I got to get away from these people because they're demanding so much of me. And so he actually snuck away, hiked up a mountain to get away from them. The demands of him were so strong. And his intentionality, the way he just like made it a priority to get away, it's so striking to me. If, if he kept a calendar, he probably put it in that calendar. He's like, time away in the morning. I'm going. Nobody's going to get on my schedule. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody's looking for you, Jesus. And we can read between the lines here. Maybe they're saying, where have you been? Like, you called us to start this movement. The revolution is beginning. Come on. The people are coming. They want to follow what we're doing here. What are you doing? Let's get to work. You're popular now. And I love Jesus' response. He's like, actually, let's, let's just get out of here and go somewhere else. Let's get away from all this popularity and fame. And we're going to move on to the next place, the nearby villages, because I need to preach to those folks too. That's why I've come. And then the text tells us that he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, driving out demons, and throughout his ministry of transformation and setback and conflict and division and pressure and stress, he stayed engaged. He didn't let up. He stayed focused. He showed incredible courage and grit. He didn't back down. Yet he also consistently withdrew to the homes of friends, to the lake, to the wilderness, to the mountains, to be filled back up and to be restored and refreshed. And you see this pattern all throughout Mark. Just pay attention. Often when things get really big and heated or he gets real popular, Jesus just kind of slips away and, and, and gets that off by himself because he knew he needed that. He withdrew to safer spaces of quiet rest and renewal. I just want to ask you all to reflect on a few questions here as, as we end this message. And so I'll throw up the first set of questions. This is about engagement. You know, I think it, it, it's often hard to stay engaged in what's happening in our, in our community or, or certainly across the world because there's so little we can do to affect what's happening across the world. It's easy just to want to, like, shut our eyes and blind ourselves to what's happening. It's easy to pull away and just stick to ourselves and not reach out to our friends, not be around other people. It's easy to slip into patterns of not serving and volunteering and getting involved uh, with other folks. And so I want you all to think about your own life. How engaged are you with the world around you? And I'm not saying big world because we can't engage with the whole world. That's kind of impossible. But how are you engaged with your community, with the, the people that are in your life, with with your family even, with, um, with your church community, with the, the folks in your neighborhood, with those who are struggling? How engaged are you with the world around you? Another question you can consider is to what degree have you disengaged or checked out or maybe abandoned the things that you know you ought to be doing in your life? Because we all do that. <laughs> And to what degree, maybe are you overly engaged? Maybe you swing the other direction and you're just doing too much. And you're constantly just trying to engage and do things and, and you're on the verge of burnout. Or maybe you're well past burnout and you're just operating on fumes. Maybe you've been focusing on the wrong things and you're just engaging in things that aren't really helpful to you or to anybody else. But think about your engagement because that's part of this. We, we can't just like turn a blind eye to what's going on around us. Like we are called to be in community. And, and my life impacts your all's life. Your all's life impacts mine. That's true for every single person here. Like we are part of this community of belonging, connection in this world. And we can't forget that. Like we need to be engaged with one another and with our communities. And so think about that. And then the second set of questions is, 
is this, like, concerning withdrawal. Like, are you intentionally taking time to withdraw and pull away and to spend meaningful time with God? Maybe meaningful time with your friends and family, if that's something that restores you. Maybe your family doesn't restore you and you need to withdraw from them in order to be restored. That's a real thing. Are you taking intentional time to spend meaningful time with yourself, to get to know yourself more, to reflect, to journal, to, to, to do that inner work, maybe in therapy or, or whatever it may be? And then a, a practical question you can ask for this week is just what is one way you can practice this meaningful and life-giving withdrawal this week? As you go into your week, what is one way you can withdraw? Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed and busy and, and you have a family or whatever and you just got so many demands placed upon you. You may feel like Jesus, like everybody's asking of something of me. Like how are you going to be intentional and creative about putting that aside for a period of time so that you can withdraw and find time to do something that's going to restore you and build you up? Because we have to have this rhythm or it's not going to work in our lives. And, and so I... This has been so helpful to me um, as I started studying Mark a few years ago to use this model in my own life. Like, am I engaged? Am I present? Am I here in this moment with these people? And then also, am I taking time to pull away and shut it all out? With technology and all this, like, we have a hard time doing this. Such a hard time. So I encourage you all to think about this this week. I think this leads to more life and and goodness in our our lives. And so I encourage you all to think about these questions. Um, If you didn't get a chance to... To reflect on them too much, you can, uh, I can give them to you, or you can, I'll post them in our Facebook group too, uh, so you can have those for this week. But I encourage you all to be thinking about this engagement withdrawal, and maybe in some of your times of withdrawal this week, when you're pulling away and you're, you're disconnecting, maybe that, that can be some of your moments to be mindful and praying for those here in this community and, and holding others in the light. So we're going to move into a time of communion, and we're going to add one small practice to our time of communion. It's related to this holiday that I mentioned called Candlemas. We actually have some candles uh, that we have up front, and we're asking that like a family unit to just take one for your family unit so that we can have enough for everybody. So if you are a couple or you have a kids and stuff, just take one for your family. But what we're going to do is when you come forward to take communion and you start to exit this way, Um, Felice is going to be on one side and Christina is going to be on the other side and they're going to hand you a candle and then they're going to light the candle for you and they're going to say this uh, breath prayer over you um, as they light the candle and it's a really uh, hopefully a beautiful practice to you just to be reminded that the light of Christ is there with you and so they're going to light your candle and you can keep it lit back to your seat if you want or you can just blow it out uh, immediately um, but you can take that home with you. And I encourage you, during, during your quiet times this week, during those moments when you're, maybe when you're sharing a meal, just light that candle. Um, it's a white candle just like the uh, Christ candle we have back here. And it can just be reminding of you that the light of Christ is with us as we walk through this journey, uh, this difficult journey uh, that we're all facing as we try to seek to follow after Jesus as we face so many setbacks and hardships. And so uh, those candles will be there. They'll hand and They're also going to hand you a card that has that information on it. And so just come forward, take communion, and then slide on down, and, and they'll give you the candle. And if you get confused, they'll explain what to do. Um, but we're all pretty laid back here, so we'll, we'll figure it out. And we'll make this work. Um, but I'm really excited of the idea of, like, we, we experience light here as we gather together, and then we take that light home, and we carry those things that God does in our hearts um, 
with us as we go throughout our week. And so be reminded that there's other candles burning all throughout this community. Um, as you look at your candle, be reminded that you're not alone. God's with you, but we're also with you. And we're holding each other in prayer as we go throughout our week. Um, did I forget anything, Christina? Is that good? All right, good. If y'all bow your heads with me, I just want to say a prayer over our time of communion and candle lighting. God, we pray this morning that you would just be near to us. God, I pray that we could experience just a little bit of encouragement, even in the midst of our, our hardships. That we could experience a little bit of your light as we walk through dark situations. That we could experience a little bit of your friendship and your connection as we deal with just mysterious and hard things right now. God, I pray this morning that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon this bread and juice be for us the body and blood of Christ. We pray that you would fill us up this morning in a fresh way. Pray that we would leave here just feeling more fortified and more grounded because we've experienced you, the living God. And also I pray we'd feel more connected to each other as we leave here, as we're all sharing from this common loaf, this common cup, as we're all sharing from this common flame, that we would also be reminded that we are so connected to God, we have one another as we walk these uh, journeys that we're in this Lord, we need you so much. Pray you would be with us as we kind of close out our time together with this meaningful, beautiful practice. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are helping me serve communion to come on up. Felice and Christina, y'all can come up as well. We take communion and embrace, but you'll form two lines down the center aisle. As you come forward, just have your hands open to receive the bread and the juice. Your server will tear off a piece of bread for you, and they'll also dip it in the cup for you. It's a way for us to limit the spreading of germs as we do this together. We do have uh, Kleenex here if you need that um, after you receive the bread and juice. Um, we do have some prepackaged elements in the back if you need that, and um, please just, you can go back there and get those if you prefer to do that instead of getting the crowded mind. I mean, if you'd like a gluten-free option, we have that also. Let me get this prepared, and then I'll invite you up in just a moment.
to be here uh, together this, this Sunday. Um, just to let you know, we have church on Monday nights also and dinner, so dinner at 6 and our service is at 645. You're always welcome to join us on Monday nights. And then also at Wednesday on Zoom, we'll share that link on our Facebook page. And if you're interested in joining, you're not in our Facebook group or something, just reach out and we'll get you that link if you want to join us for a time of prayer on Wednesday at noon. So if you all prepare yourselves to receive the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.